Welcome back to another episode of The General Store with me, Gina Bina, because, of course, who the hell else would it be? I'm here today with a part two special edition episode of The General Store, once again, with none other than Jake Roberts. How are you doing? Not too bad. It's uh, it's a little cloudier today than it was yesterday. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, well, if you listen to part one, you know that Jake is a music industry expert. He's been in the industry for quite some time now and has all things insider. So we're going to talk some more about uh, little secrets and inside scoops and all that kind of fun stuff today. And I wouldn't say I'm an expert per se, but I, I've worked for some of the the top people, and I. Uh, it's an expose. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I've uh, picked up on some of their bad traits and absorbed <laughs> some of their good traits. So. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna yeah we're gonna get into it today. So, but once again, buckle up because this is gonna be a fun one. So. All right. So where do we begin? So. We talked a little bit in part one about how you worked for Republic and you had experience with Justin Bieber and Axl Rose and all of these people. And I know you have more experiences there, but you started with this episode saying that you picked up on some good on some good traits and some bad traits amongst higher ups in the industry. So I have to ask, what are some of the good ones and what are some of the bad ones? Because I know a lot of people want to know. There's a lot of people that listen to this that are trying to move their way upwards in the industry. And I know that they're going to be absolutely horrified or pleased by what they're about to hear so (laughs) um well first things first what they don't tell you in uh when you go into the talent representation um field uh whether it be on an agency side a a management side Mm -hmm. or on like a production or label side or anything like that is that you need to be prepared to eat a lot of shit 24 7 yeah and keep a straight face like someone's gonna literally look at you and go on a rant for like five minutes on how you are less valuable than a piece of chewing gum on the bottom of their red soled shoe (laughs) and you gotta look at them with the straight face and be like "Mm mm-hmm you're right I'm a piece of shit you're right I'm a piece of shit can I get you a coffee like that fully happens that's insane but so bad it it is and at the moment too it feels bad, but looking back on it, it's because they're under such an immense amount of pressure because mm-hmm. they're all commission-based, minus the record label stuff. They're all commission-based, so they need to keep their artists happy at all times. It's a, They represent usually, you know, unless they're, they have one client who's, yeah. you know, killing it and they want to put all their eggs in that basket. They have a roster of clients, and all of them are highly, highly motivated and tenacious and voracious and pick another yush word, but they all want to make money and they all want their content to be the best content it can be. Mm-hmm. And they're the creative side. So the agents and the managers and stuff, they have to essentially be the sounding board yeah. and let them do their thing or they're going to get fired by these people that they're you know trying to get their 10% off of. Right. So... Um, I'd say if you are unsure about wanting to work in the talent representation uh, business Mm -hmm. and you never did an internship before, you should probably start very early in your career because you will find out within a month or Mm -hmm. less. (laughs) I've I've witnessed some horror stories with a day or two that you will not you will you will not be surprised 
that it is really not for everybody and you need to have a certain temperament and be able to have the thickest of thick skins but <laughs> you gotta um, start you gotta start young and figure out if uh, you can handle it yeah and then uh, and you then, have to be a masochist <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> or just like really tenacious and 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 whatnot and just remember that the long-term goal is you want to work your way up from the mailroom or like an administrative assistant to right. wherever it is you want to go yeah totally and, um, yeah, the, the money starting out is also not very good, but the perks are you get to go to shows and stuff and you get to interface and make connections and build your network of people that um, can either help you or will end up running companies one day and right. you never know how that will, you'll yeah. be able to use that to your benefit. Like, for example, some of the kids that I was in the mailroom at UTA with, one of them is... Uh, He's won like five Tonys since oh he left God. UTA. Yeah. Um, and granted, we weren't in the same department. He was obviously in the theater department. Mm. He lasted a day as an assistant. And like we still make jokes about it. And we still have horror stories <laughs> about it. But he was he was in the mail. He started uh, and I'm going to send him this afterwards. He's going to love the fact that he was mentioned in it, but whatever. Um, <laughs> he was in the mailroom for like six or eight months. I kid you not. Like wow. I was in the mailroom for like two days. I was like, I got to get out of here. Like I'm not delivering Johnny Depp's burrito one more time. <laughs> like that is not going to happen. You said that so casually too. He likes burritos. You just, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, going. But uh, this, this kid, he lasted a day as an assistant. He was like, fuck this, like, these people suck, I hate this. <laughs> so he left and decided to, like, schmooze with these random producers that he ended up befriending through one way or another, mm. and now all of a sudden he produces, like, Ain't Too Proud on Broadway and, wow. and all these other ones, and it's just, you know, you find out that, again, it the... The networking capabilities are amazing, but mm -hmm. you will find out very quickly if it's for you or if it's not for you. Right. And uh, if you want it, if you're that driven and you really want it to be you, mm -hmm. you just keep your head down. <laughs> not keep your head up. Keep your head down. Yeah. Make no eye contact. I mean, think of it this way. If you're <laughs> yeah, actually, I've it's been like told the before, jungle. do not look at people in the eye. I'm <laughs> not even kidding. Yeah. No, it is pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's having a staring contest with a glass right now. It's bring me back PTSD. <laughs> um, but no, and I, I would say this. I, I don't mean to dissuade anybody because it's it's a fun lifestyle, mm. um, and you are impacting the world in one way or another. Because right. let's be real, if you're going into the representation game, mm -hmm. your content is not. You don't have content. Yeah, like I can play freaking uh, "Come as You Are" on the guitar, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be the next Kurt Cobain. Right. Um, but yet, I loved music. I still love music, mm -hmm. but I'm kind of an adult now, and and <laughs> I realized that in my career that wasn't going to to pay the bills. But um, I I strongly urge if you're passionate about it, you just keep your head down and fight through all the bullshit because there is a, a method to the madness mm -hmm. and and you know 
it sucks and it'll change you as a person <laughs> it really will jake has seen some shit yeah like, <laughs> i'm like a robot now and someone yells at me and calls me a piece of shit i'm like yep you're right i'm a piece of shit and it <laughs> usually pisses people off more but i'm like that's what i've been mentally trained to do now it's i'm mentally like, scarred and nothing phases me anymore yeah me, except i didn't do this <laughs> <laughs> then there's like a little whisper in my head that's like you're not getting paid right now go off go off and i'm like all right game time let's go <laughs> oh my god well i know you just mentioned that's something that we didn't talk about last episode you said you were pursuing music but music didn't pay the bills but i know that you were a touring musician at one point yes get into that a little bit because i'm curious to know what that experience was like because who you opened for was cool enough but life on the road we got to get into that because i need i need to know firsthand uh life on the road that spanned the isle of manhattan between the the streets of 40 you don't have to tell anybody that soho um but no in uh in high school, before the magazine, mm-hmm. I was in a band. Yeah. Um, I played guitar and I sang. Mm-hmm. We, uh, Our bassist was the one who actually wrote the music and the lyrics. And he was a... <laughs> he wasn't a dark, troubled soul, per se, but he had gone through some stuff. Mm-hmm. His, his father passed away oh, when terrible. he was younger. Um, both of his parents were psychiatrists, and you know... Wow. Like, if your parents are both psychoanalyzing you from when you grow up, yep. you're going to be a fucked up kid. Yeah, which is so <laughs> ironic. But and, and he just, he loved music. And he actually ended up going to Oberlin and, and wow. he does something now in, in music and in like the composition world. Um, mm-hmm. He's a bit of a, like, I wouldn't say a musical genius because I'm not going to pat his ego, but he knew what he was doing. Like he could have gone to Berkeley or something. Right. Um, but uh, Oberlin's conservatory is, is up there in terms mm-hmm. of, of musical theory. But, um, yeah, so it, it, it was a little weird. Just picture me in my like vineyard vines, like singing about like dark shit. Vines. Yeah, it's not like, just a phase, mom. It's like he looks like Vampire Weekend, but he sounds like Modest Mouse. <laughs> um, actually, though, we 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 did, but yeah. So we put our music. We practiced. We had mm. about ten songs out there. Uh, we put it on our MySpace page. We. DM'd a ton of on MySpace. This is a long time. It was like 2007. We DM'd a bunch of of bands on on MySpace, being like, "Hey, can we open up for you? Here's our songs with them." And we started getting traction from wow. it. And by we, that was me. <laughs> um, and we had a drummer who was like in like seventh grade, but he was oh he was God. decent. And then we had a, a lead guitarist who he. You could tell he what who his influences were. Mm-hmm. He wasn't particularly talented, but he had a sick effects pedal rig, and that would make all nice. of his <laughs> all of his uh, his riffs and and whatnot sound a little extra punchy and, and yeah. good. But so yeah, we we performed across a bunch of the different uh, places in New York City at the time. Don Hills, the Knitting mm-hmm. Factory, before it went to Brooklyn. This was yeah. when it was in New York City. Wow. Um, and I think our biggest accompli- accomplishment was our lead guitarist and drummer were actually brothers. Mm. And they, their parent, one of them, I think it was like their dad or their mom, was like either an uh, like a teacher or some kind of faculty member at Columbia University. Yeah. And going back to the Vineyard Vines thing, <laughs> yeah, like I, I might have had a collection of Sperry Top Ciders, but we, we don't mention that oh kind of Lord. stuff anymore. Um, <laughs> they were cool, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, but I was like, I heard this really cool band uh, that I think he's either a student or something. He goes to your school. Like, I was talking to the dad. He's like, yeah. it's Columbia. Like, half the people there want to be doctors, and the other half are, like, artsy and kind of weird. Yeah. And we were like, really? Half <laughs> more are artsy and weird? That's <laughs> for an Ivy League school. Interesting. But um, anyways, he connected us with a guy named Ezra. Oh, my God. And Ezra said he was the lead singer. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, hey, Ezra, how are you? If I had my Blackberry still, because remember, we all oh had Blackberries those times. I would pull up those text messages like, hey, man, we're, we're pretty good. We're <laughs> like 15 years old, but like, I'd love to send you our music. Like... I think that we're we're trying to like grow our audience, and I think that you guys, even though you have an audience, it would be an interesting thing if we could open up for you. Because you were marketing, you were marketing pitching. Uh, yeah, of course. At, I, at I fifteen already. Yeah, five dollars a ticket. <laughs> oh my god. Twenty dollars a drink. <laughs> um, but I was I just like I came into it with no ego, no bravado, no mm-hmm. like oh how much is uh, nothing. I was like. Can we please open up for you? Yeah. And he was like, can I hear your music? And I sent him two songs. And we honestly, we did sound like a ripoff of like Joy Division or Interpol. (laughs) We really did. But when I sent it to them and I knew he was going to say no, Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound like I said, we might not be in the same subgenre, but we're both independent Mm -hmm. artists we're both trying to make it, and yes, you have that preppy pop vibe, and you're starting to get a big following. We have a different kind of vibe, and we have a a big following amongst yeah. you know high schoolers. Mm-hmm. We had like over like a thousand followers on MySpace. Um, even if it's different, you look at a music festival. Not everybody's the same genre. Yeah. And he was like, "Okay, fine, sounds good." So we opened up for Vampire Weekend, uh- and. I was waiting for you to drop the name drop it i was yeah. here, like just waiting for it <laughs> yeah and um th- the funniest part about it was is that i didn't realize that because i was a big dirty projectors fan mm-hmm. ezra koenig and rostam ben Lodgy or whatever who's no longer in vampire weekend but yep. he's pretty much the one who wrote all the music behind the songs yep um they were in the Dirty Projectors. That's how they met. So I I don't know. I was like, wait a minute. I've seen you guys before. And they're like, you probably have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're getting a lot of traction. I was like, no, no, no. I know you guys from somewhere else. That's crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. And Vampire Weekend was and still is. I mean, they're in their own genre. But when they had their, their moment, they were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like last summer I saw them perform an acoustic set at Washington Square Park or something like I think that. that was, something like that. Yeah. They did it for, for their socials, I believe. And it was, it was, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, it, was, but, it was a cool one. Yeah. yeah um, they've done a lot of festivals, too. So A-Punk I, and Guitar Hero is also they A+. Plus. I yeah. actually... Um, I, so the two the two guitarists that I were like my biggest inspiration style wise I guess mm-hmm. um, when I was 
a working musician. <laughs> He's just a working musician. Yeah, I like cringe when I say that because <laughs> I really wasn't. Um, was Nick Valencia of The Strokes and Ezra Koenig of, of Vampire Weekend. So I had that mm. Epiphone casino in the, you know, the natural color wood. But like instead of yeah. having it like all the way up to like my neck, like Ezra, I like kept it like super low. Like Nick Valencia and thought I was a super cool kid. <laughs> Speaking of The Strokes. Oh boy, here we go. I know, Jul- uh, your boy Julian. <laughs> Love Julian. Uh, you, there's some experiences there too. I know that you were, you've mentioned them to me prior, but. So, uh, where we used to, where our band used to perform, um, or practice, not perform. We had a couple of showcases there, mm-hmm. and they have those kind of um, like suites there yep. for that kind of stuff. But um, it was this place on, I think it was like 38th and 7th. Um, I don't really remember the name of it, but I do remember it was like in, on like 38th Street or something like that because there was a White Castle there and after we would play, <laughs> <laughs> get that crepe case, you know, nice. before starting to do our homework. Our and, homework. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. And this was, this, this was in 2011, no, 2010, where, I mean, I was already doing the music magazine. I wasn't really interested in the band anymore and this was right. before, you know, we officially quote-unquote broke up. <laughs> um, <laughs> trying to make it sound like we're a lot bigger than we were but um yeah now like I, I we weren't into it we weren't practicing as much we weren't performing as much anymore but yeah anyways I remember this was like on a, a Wednesday was band practice nights and we were we would practice from 6 to 9 p.m mm-hmm. and um I remember I had like an SAT tutor or something like that. So at 9 p.m. I was like, shit, I got my SAT tutor tomorrow and I haven't done any of the homework that she gave me. It's giving school a rock. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Although I never really did any homework. But um, <laughs> anyways, I was like, shit, I got to at least, you know, bubble in the C's all the way down and then None just of pretend that I'm like now. dyslexic. <laughs> None of that matters now. It doesn't matter. Um, and uh, anyways, I'm in the elevator and we're on the 10th floor. And the fourth floor opens, and that's where, like, the, like, showcase studios were. Uh And these two guys, and you don't look at people's face when you're in the elevator. I don't know if that's New York City code or what, but, like, you stare down at people's feet. Yep. And I just remember these two guys walked in, reeking of a mix of disgusting (laughs) B.O., sweaty leather, Newports or some kind of, like, sicko cigarette, and beer, but we're not talking about like, oh, you you know what Bud Light smells like. Like this was like Keystone or something. Ew. Like it's it smelled like watery beer, Ew. or it could have been the Warm mix beer. of cigarette or something. And I'm like, ugh, what the fuck? But then like in my head, as the elevator's going down, I'm like, for people to get lit like this, like these guys must be kind of like famous or something, right? And I look up, and you don't expect to see. Julian Casablancas wearing <gasps> sunglasses with a like tank top kind of cut up leather jacket. Oh my god! And Nick Valencia, <laughs> his eyes were like rolling in the back of his head. Like I remember, like the dude was not mentally there. Oh my <laughs> Could have been tired. And I just look at them, and I was starstruck because yeah, huge I mean, strokes man. Like on my top five concerts ever, I, both strokes were there. Yeah, like two of those are strokes. And this was when they were, I knew that they were coming out with a new album. Yeah, no idea that they'd be like doing a showcase there. It's like mm-hmm. a random shitty, like $30 an hour recording studio. And I look at them, I'm like, oh my God, 
and they chuckled because <laughs> I didn't realize I said it out loud. And I was just like, I'm your guy's biggest fan. <laughs> Straight I'm just on. I'm imagining like, you Straight in this situation. It's going to be the funniest thing in the world. Just completely okay. starstruck. You, you really want to laugh? Picture this. Because remember, I like Vampire Weekend, too. Yeah. So I dressed like Vampire oh Weekend. Oh, my God. So there's me in like a Ralph Lauren polo like, <laughs> button down with like faded red pastel shorts oh, Lord. tucked in with a ribbon belt and Sperry Topsiders holding a like a guitar bag looking at these two dudes reeking <laughs> like freaking the bottom of a nightclub loaded the out of their minds of at 9pm on a Wednesday in an elevator being like you guys are my biggest fans <laughs> they both like couldn't contain themselves they were like <laughs> thanks and I was just like they spoke to me this is epic <laughs> Oh my God! They should but yeah, that was that was their Angels tour, and I ended up wow. seeing them on tour. And when I saw them, Elvis Costello came on stage. No way! Yeah, and sang Stop. with them. Yeah, it was. Oh, it was Lord. cool. I that that was a that was a really cool experience. That um, is sick. That's really sick. But oh yeah, God. I feel like the live music. I don't know. Have you noticed this? That I feel like, and I kind of equate this to the nightlife business too. Mm -hmm. In the, I want to say the around 2006 to 2011, people wanted to go to smaller, more intimate venues that were more exclusive, mm -hmm. more expensive, etc. Because the marketing behind that atmosphere was, it's yeah. you know you're important to be here. Yeah, like you like you there's no earned your spot in there yeah, somehow. Every yeah. everybody in here is is been hand selected or whatever. Right and. And in music, in particular, like EDM, um, that that was how you would go see the big artists. Right. Like they would do like uh, like Dead Mouse would do like underground sets at mm -hmm. Pickup Club and Meatpacking. Yeah, and any then, of them. Yeah, right. Um, and there started to get a cultural shift when people were like, ugh. This is like that that sense yep. of entitlement is so disgusting. Like I just want to hear good music and dance. So the music festival started mm -hmm. getting bigger and bigger. They're giants now. And and Burning Man became mainstream mm -hmm. and and Coachella became a global scale yep. and Ultra now has what like 10 locations. Yeah, it used to be like one secret location somewhere in like the ass end of Europe and now it's like yeah, ten of them. Yeah, like, in Miami, <laughs> and then there's like all these like random like up and coming music festivals too that are like smaller scale, but still they're getting ten thousand people. Right. And the way I've noticed that people consume how people consume music on a live scale is mm -hmm. that where's the future going to be? Because we've had both. Is it going to revert back to this small, more intimate settings? Yeah. Because you look at music festivals now, and I'm not talking about anything going on in the, the, the pandemic, like all yeah. politics aside, it's like, you and I like music festivals. Right. They're, They're great. so much it's fun. It's one of my you, favorite things to yeah, be and do is, is go, a festival. You be, let your crazy flag fly, do whatever exactly. you want to do, and hear awesome music. Yeah. And that energy is exciting, but is that going to die? I don't know. See, this is... This is where my brain starts coming into play because I'm so involved in like the like the alternative scene of music. Yes and no, because I feel like the alt scene coming back. We talked about this last episode with like the TikTokers and stuff, but the actual alt scene I'm referring to, like Neck Deep or Movements or any of these other like the My Chemical Romance coming back, which is oh, yeah. they're doing a stadium tour. So, you know, like that's a little different, but 
I feel like with the revival of that kind of music coming back, it might save the small venue concept and the music festival concept the way we remember it more just because that's all coming back. Because the alt scene specializes in the, the shithole hardcore kid venues and crowd surfing and stage diving and mosh pits and all that stuff. That's part of the whole aesthetic of that scene. So I feel like with that kind of music coming back to the mainstream, we might have a sliver of hope of saving that kind of yeah because atmosphere. Like I, you know what I mean? I like I picture like Rage Against the Machine, for example. Yeah. Like they're awesome. Again, I might not agree with their politics because they're all kind of right. Zach De La Rocha and and Tom Morello <laughs> are like I, I, I think they're communists. But yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, but you um, know. they. How they rose to fame was this like angst against the government, yeah, and an angst against the status quo, but and that was for one subsect for the most part because mm-hmm. I feel like in the nineties and, and early two thousands when you look at who was running the United States, yeah, it was very much of of there was like a a one percent that was very very happy. And a growing grumbling of the 99% mm. being like, what the literal f- yep. fuck? Sounds um, about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and isn't it weird how nowadays it's the 1% that's grumbling like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but oh, uh, I f- I, I'm curious to, to hear what they would think of what's going on. And like, I don't, I, as much as I, I've seen Green Day like five times. Same. <laughs> And actually, I randomly went to the drummer's daughter's uh, Sweet Sixteen. I crashed what? it. Yeah, yeah. That you was were like, at Trey Cool's daughter's Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. Casual once again. It, <laughs> by the way, they they made a lot of money. I did, would not have expected that if the dude didn't have a green mohawk wearing a tuxedo. Yeah. Like I would have thought that this this wow. girl's dad worked on Wall Street or something wow. like that. Like it was quite opulent. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> and then I saw him and I was like. Maybe Trey he's cool? performing. Because, <laughs> like, you know who he is. Um, oh, my God, it's great. But, yeah, I, I'm just curious to see what goes on in that scene because that scene yeah. is so against mainstream, but yet they're mainstream now. Yep. They full-on are. I'm dealing with this battle every single day of my life now. And so. how, do they, how do they stay true to their roots when they're making bank <laughs> that's that's the question that i have because it's going back to what i said the whole root of travis barker right now and travis barker taking over the industry it's great for my scene and the bands that i work with and the people that i'm friends with even because now they're getting more exposure but at the same time it's kind of almost invalidating everything that everyone stands for right so it's a little i don't know like i don't want to sound like an asshole by saying that because i want everyone to succeed obviously but then you start having people that aren't actually part of that scene the quote-unquote posers that are all just doing it to bank the hot topic kids (laughs) hot topic's the biggest disappointment in the world to me i only go in there for stranger things stuff now oh that's disappointing i know i don't really go in there by the way speaking of which did you eat the pizza you had a stranger things pizza they're still in the freezer inside in the kitchen we haven't we did a stranger um Matt Meany did. I don't know where he is right now, and so did Justin Alec. But he's right there. He. I don't think that he liked it. But there's a review on our social medias on 77 WABC. Really? Yeah. There's a one bite. Stranger Things knows Mm -hmm. the rules. Yep. Exactly. Stranger Things have happened here, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm too quick with this now. Um, But yeah, no. I feel like I know what you're trying to say. I I really do because it's it's almost like, um, like I said, not invalidating, but invalidating at the same time. 
So I'm, I'm curious, but I do think that in terms of like having those standing room only shows, those more intimate settings, I don't think they're necessarily going to go anywhere. If anything, I think that we should be worried about the prices increasing now because yeah. kids are going to want to be part of that vibe yeah, music, again. Music festivals are too expensive. It's they're so much money. True, And you know what? That's a, that's a problem because you go to Ultra, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you go to Ultra now and tickets start at like $450, Yeah, right? it's, it's crazy. So who are they really applying to? The kid from Missouri who, right. who's, you know, comes from a not mm-hmm. well-off family and life and he's working at Panera or yeah. McDonald's or something like that, saving money crazy. to go. And he can't afford to not only go to these places, uh-huh. or she, but hotels, Airbnbs. Everything crazy. they're priced out. So you look at the music festival demographics now. It's and all I'm, the influence. I'm sure, kids. like Ultra is gonna shoot me in the face for this <laughs> because I, I know them. <laughs> so that's actually my family friend. Um, <laughs> but um, who actually was friends with my boss at UTA too is super awkward. <laughs> oh my god! But, um, Small world. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and they baited me into trying to tell me. They were, my boss was like, "Oh, that's that's nice." <laughs> I'm like, fuck. Um, But anyways, how do people go? So you you look at the demographics now, and it's a bunch of, like, divorced Middle Eastern (laughs) and and American and European and Euro trash dudes Mm -hmm. and, like, prostitutes going to these music festivals and And spending. And straight up influencers, too. uh, Yeah, they're getting it for free. But But they don't even listen to it. They go for the aesthetics and the pictures. And I think that's a big problem, too, is aesthetic. Like, I I really don't want to sound like that really salty so you like mean annoying like against the DeMillo green kid. wearing a, a Gerard Way for president shirt doesn't My, yeah that's what i'm saying like it's not going to move that's not going to move units for you i don't want, like i don't want to sound like like an old like an old head dude for that's like you don't even know three songs by Molly Crew like i don't <laughs> want to do that but like you, it, i guess it's more frustrating when you actually are part of that scene and there's people that can't afford to be there because of the influx of all of these people doing it for an instagram photo cuz Courtney Kardashian said it was cool I don't know. Speaking of which, Molly Crew is an interesting one. So um, last summer I actually saw a Tommy Lee DJ. Shut up. Honestly, he is everything as a person I thought he would be and more. So. <laughs> All right. Last story before we go, because I know Mike's going to kill me. Okay, deal. <laughs> he shows up to the venue and, and it, one of my friends was was the, the owner. Otherwise, I, I, would, I wouldn't yeah. be there. They're expensive to go see kind of bigger label people. Right. Um, and. I never forget. Like he was supposed to go on at like twelve thirty or something like that. Mm. One forty five comes around. And my friend is like, "Fuck, he's here! He's here! He's here!" <laughs> and I'm like, "He's here!" <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, okay, okay. Get security. He's gonna go through the back, like you know, doing yeah, yeah. like typical like nightlife venue kind of management stuff." Right. And freaking you don't like obviously i was gonna go with i've been going to the green room going to the dj booth i was not gonna not do that yeah of course. and also like his wife has like funny content Brittany furlin or Furlun. she's great on tiktok yeah i actually so, enjoy her content unfortunately she wasn't there uh <laughs> unfortunately but um <laughs> he shows up and he's wearing like a typical like ripped t-shirt skinny jeans converse and his like fedora hat thing yeah and he himself, like, he showed up with, like, a little bit of an entourage. There were, like, three mm-hmm. other people there who literally look like the embodiment of heroin. But <laughs> <laughs> he, he shows up, and he's wheeling two, like, away suitcases. Like, the, the carry-ons. Oh, my God. In either hand. 
And like, you know, being from the music industry, your first thought is, oh, he brought his own equipment. Right. But then you think to yourself, oh, Jesus Christ, there was a rider and it's all provided for him. Yeah. What is in those suitcases? Oh, my God. And obviously I was going to find out. Yeah. You're like, One I'm determined now. I am find out. fully determined. So as we're like walking through the tunnel into the green room. His his security guards literally stand by the door and they're like, no. And I'm like, what do you mean no? I'm, I'm with the owner. Like, yes, he's inside there. I'm I'm coming in too. Yeah. And then they're like, no, you can't come in. I was like, what the fuck? So, so what the hell was in it? So I, I literally showed them the like the concert bracelet that they gave me, and I'm like, see this, all access, all access, all access, <laughs> and I'm like pointing saying. at it, and these guys are like looking at me like. Who is this freaking six-two white dude <laughs> chirping at me right now, in his Vineyard Vines? <laughs> Once again, TM sponsored yeah, by Vineyard Vines. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I told them, I was like, all access. I own this place. Yeah. What are you doing right now? Right. And then they're like, oh shit. <laughs> so they let me in. I was like, I don't actually own this place. Like, but ha, we still, we still got that removed. In those suitcases, I kid you not. Oh God. You would think he had a mobile head store with him. There were, or either that or what he was a baker hell? because there were lots of whipped cream canisters in there <gasps> and, and uh, glass vase looking things. Oh, glass and, vase and, looking things. <laughs> and lots of uh, clear cubicles with stuff. And I'm there just oh like, oh my God. This dude is like 50 years old and he's still getting ripped like he's 20. Jesus Christ. And I will say, his. He's not a very talented DJ by any means. No. He full Tommy. on. I, I watched him. He hit play. Someone else made that music. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. That, that play, like, he could have shown up. Honestly, Ooh, this I'm, feels illegal to know. <laughs> I'm, con <laughs> I'm convinced in the two suitcases, if someone saw them, they'd be like, oh, yeah, it was his equipment. Nope. You know where his equipment was? The flash drive in his <gasps> pocket. The two suitcases that he was carrying. No way. <laughs> were the uh, the vitamins that he took in order to uh, <laughs> enjoy his two hour performance. Oh um, my god. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus, that was, that was good. <laughs> talented drummer, not a talented DJ. Not a friendly man either. That's so unfortunate. Maybe he thought I was trying to steal his drugs. Oh my <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He was hostile. I was like, sir, trust me. Like, uh, I'm a fan. I do not want God whatever you're putting it. in your body right now. You just crushed my I've whole soul. I've seen VH1 say, uh, save the music. Crushed my lines. whole soul. I love Tommy Lee so much, and that just that just hurt me a little bit. Like, I remember the, uh, what was that movie? 21 Jump Street, where they were oh like, trying God. to infiltrate the cool Infiltrate kids. the dealer, find a supplier. We're going to jump your ass off Jump Street. Yeah. Exactly. I, I and love they're, that movie. like, Jonah Hill and, and uh, Channing, Channing Tatum, Tatum. Yeah. they were... In the basement area of like the confiscated drugs of the police department, <laughs> they were just picking the yeah. Right before they're about to like like have a house party with a bunch of like seventeen year olds and <laughs> whatever, and <laughs> Jenny Tatum's character like grabs this like giant brick of like oh, cocaine God. and is like, "I got the drugs for the party." And Jonah looks at him and goes, "We're not trying to fucking ruin their lives here. <laughs> Grab weed. Let's go." <laughs> That's what Tommy Lee did before he left. That was Nikki Six in the nineties. <laughs> I'm going to hell. Yeah. Straight to hell. Anyway. Bye. Yeah. Uh, wow. So many stories. So not enough time ever. But 
yeah, that was freaking awesome. Seriously. Always a good time, as always. Maybe we could do a part three and we'll actually I'm down talk about for a music. Part three. Yeah, part three. We'll actually get into what's good and what's not in music. Hopefully, at some point. That'd be great. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to leave it there. I'm going to plug my socials again. It's General Store Pod on all social platforms. G-L-N-A-B-I-N-A on Twitter. Gina.Bina on Instagram. And my merch is going to be out. So go check it out. It'll be on WABC Store dot com i think you know it better than i do WBC radio there you go store.com. there you go go find it there i'll also plug it on my socials i'll have it in a link tree so go buy my shit please god i'll have a code at some point i think but yeah we'll, we'll get a discount code yeah. for you but all right dope. the last thing I've, i feel like i gotta say just in case he ever listens to this which i hope he does okay tommy i love you i'm sorry and yes that was all powdered sugar in your backpack Only. suitcases number one baker <laughs> Tommy. All right. All right. I'll leave it there, guys. I'll catch you next week. Later.